Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed. On this uh, steamy Saturday morning, temperature was actually as cooled off, Teresa Rooney, to 80. Right now, 80. It's <laughs> not cool, Denny. No, I know. <laughs> Dew point is even a sticky 73 yet. It's been that way all morning. Oh Thanks for joining us. It's our Smart Garden Show. You're always welcome to call in your uh, lawn or garden questions or text them in, like the guy said, 651-989-9226, or send uh, Teresa your text, 81807. I want to mention that our friends at By the Yard down in Jordan, Minnesota, who make the best patio furniture in the whole world. And it's a family-run business, and they sponsor the show every week. Thank you. Yes, we do thank them for that. But if you have uh, any kind of a lawn or garden question, you know we tend to get really busy here. Mm -hmm. And so don't wait till the next half hour or something. Yeah, don't wait till quarter to eight. Yeah. Or quarter to nine. Yeah, Yeah. we get backed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So call us, text us. We'll uh, even do a lightning round if we have to, We right? can, yep. And if we do miss your call uh, or we don't get to your question, you can always go to extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab and learn all kinds of good stuff. Very good. <clears throat> 651-989-9226. That's the line. Uh, and then the text line is 81807. I know you brought some friends with you. I brought some reinforcements. Um, I brought two reinforcements. One is um, my intern, Rachel Edwards, who's very brave, but she's just said she's going to observe today. Um, an intern is just someone who's just learning the Master Gardener program. Uh-huh. So, so she went through training, and she's done a few volunteer things, and, and she's just learning the ropes. So and there then, won't be any baptism by fire here then for Rachel? No, I'll be okay. nice to her. <laughs> she's right. a sweetie. I'll be nice to her. <laughs> right. And then my other um, co-master gardener here today is Larry Sapola, and Larry's been a master gardener for a number of years he's also recently written a book on hydroponics the easy way Mm. so if you're interested in learning about hydroponics that's the way to go because it's just very it's very simply put it's very very coherent very in-depth but very understandable it's a really good book if you're interested is that available everywhere it's available everywhere it's available on amazon yeah okay uh, the arboretum and the northern gardener Mm Magazine. So you've got some good brain power here. If you have, uh, you want to ask a, 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 a couple of uh, lawn or garden questions, by all means, mm-hmm. uh, Teresa, Larry, and Rachel, who will be listening. Uh, <laughs> Unless we throw notes. her under the bus. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Uh, let's show everybody how it works, Teresa. Oh, yeah. Karen is calling in from Edina with a question. Thanks, Karen. You're first up here. Hi, Karen. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Uh, Teresa, I... Um, I live in a condo and have a screened-in porch, and about, oh, a month, five weeks ago, I bought a tomato plant that was probably, I don't know, about three feet high. Mm-hmm. And within uh, a week or so, I had buds, mm-hmm. and then about two, two and a half weeks ago, I started getting tomatoes. Wonderful. 
I was so excited. Mm-hmm. I carry mm-hmm. pictures of them instead of my grandkids. Well, sure. I can <laughs> and, understand um, that. I'm a master yeah. gardener. I can understand that. Anyway, what is happening is um, I haven't. I had some buds, and then they died. Mm-hmm. Now I have one now that looks like it might live. Flow up. Um, the the uh, plant on the bottom, the leaves started turning like speckled with white specks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I, the tomatoes and I have four, and of course they're very green. But two of them look like they've got a little bit of brown on them. Yep. Am I losing the battle here? What I would probably make sure you're not over fertilizing, but you do need to fertilize. It's in a container, so so it doesn't have an opportunity for the roots to go out and find water and nutrition. So you have to really provide that. Also, it doesn't have pollinators to help it, so you may have to help with some of the pollination. That could be why some of the buds died. Um, I would pick, up, pick off those dead, those dead leaves and throw them away. Um, and then you also want, when you water, to water the soil, not the plants. Now, Larry's a real good expert on tomatoes, so if he can think of anything else, go take it, Larry. Sure. Uh, depending on when your flowers drop, sometimes when the, uh, especially this weekend, will be a good example. If the temperature stays very high, you'll get something called blossom drop, mm-hmm. where, the, where the plant just doesn't want to produce any more offspring, so to speak, that being the fruit mm-hmm. that we eat. Uh, so it just drops the flowers. The, uh, your question, though, on the leaves, um, it could be septoria leaf spot. If you notice that the disease uh, or this, um, this condition starts at the ground level and works its way up, through the plant, probably septoria leaf spot. It's not going to affect the fruit. Uh, but you also said um, that that your tomatoes had brown spots on them. Is that it correct? It has like a little brown slit in it, I would say. You know? uh, a slit? slit, yeah, probably oh, okay. over water. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. okay. I, because if, if you had brown spots, uh, that is a disease. But, um, yeah, maybe you overwatered and you're getting splitting of the, uh, of the fruit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Because the tomato can't grow as fast as all the moisture that's available. And that's a hard thing. This this temperature, this these hot temperatures, if it doesn't cool down in the evening, yeah. you know, it stresses humans. And that's that's why humans are so stressed by the heat because you don't get that cooling down. It's the same for plants. They don't get that cooling down. You'll see a lot of fruit being aborted, a lot of flowers just falling off. The mm. plants are just too stressed. All they are thinking about is survival mode, not propagation. All right. Let's grab a couple of text messages while we're at it. Uh, here's one. I have a few bamboo in a vase of water. Why are they so pale? Is there a way to fertilize or what else should I be doing? Um, give them some sunlight and, yes, go ahead and use a diluted liquid fertilizer. Um, you can mix up something like a miracle Grow or fish emulsion or kelp or whatever you want to use, what you would use on your house plants, orchid food, anything like that. They do need some nutrition in the water. A couple of master gardeners in CCO studio, Teresa and Larry, and uh, you guys can help me with this. Best care for night blooming cereus? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, first of all, I would head down to the University of Florida because they have excellent information on tropicals. And I'm not a tropical expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I know that this, that plant would need like a fairly moist soil and humidity, and that's about all I know about it. Then, then, so I would definitely send that call that caller to check out the University of Florida. Okay, and because Florida has amazing information on your tropicals. Here's another tomato plant text. Uh, my tomato plants seem to have too much foliage. How do I prune without cutting off potential blooms? Well, the the tomato plants, if they 
you want to cut the the take out pinch out the extra green on in the crotches of the branches and you know even if you cut off something that has a flower it's not that big of a deal it'll flower again uh, and if you can look at the scaffolding of your plant, uh, the, where you first saw that first flower and one layer of scaffolding below that, you can keep anything under that. Just take that off. Just take, You don't need it. Those are only going to vector diseases. They just get yellow. You don't need those because they're never going to fruit. Your fruit's always going to come on the new growth near the top of the plant. Um, so just go ahead and cut back a little bit uh, of the foliage and make sure you're not over-fertilizing it because that all that foliage means you have a lot of extra nitrogen in oh. there, and you don't really need that. Yeah, Teresa, if you don't mind if I add, no. um, one, one of the easier ways, uh, you're, you're doing something called uh, suckering, which is what Teresa talked about. If you uh, follow your main stem, you're going to see a lateral branch uh, or branches coming off that, that main stem. Suckers are almost always at a 45-degree angle in that, as Teresa said, the crotch. So if you start seeing something growing that looks like a 45-degree angle, uh, that's what you want to cut out. And ideally, you should start pruning those out as soon as you notice them. Mm-hmm. If, if, this, if that sucker is a little bit too um, thick, uh, developing pretty well, you may want to cut it with a pruner versus uh, trying to snap it off. Okay, good point. Before we take a break, Lori in Brooklyn Park, I believe, is on the line. Lori, what is your question? Yeah. Hi, Lori. Uh, hi. I have a uh, fence around my patio, and on the inside of the gate, there's this thing about the size of a golf ball, and there's bees crawling all over it. It's kind of grayish. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a wasp nest. Um, so, oh, those yeah, are wasps. The, probably a wasp nest. Um, the bees don't normally build little paper things like that. It would be a wasp nest, paper wasp, paper wasp, yeah. or, or something. So, if you're not using that, then and you don't mind the wasp, you can leave it. Otherwise, you do have to safely get rid of them. You can use a spray. You can ask someone to take care of it for you. Um, but but stay safe because some people are more, um, uh, you know, they're allergic to, this, yeah. to the stingers and things. And the wasps will sting over and over again. And they are fairly territorial. They'll only get more so as their population increases. And as we get into the later summer, they get more and more territorial all the time. So that may be something that you need to remove. And, and although I'm a, I'm a big believer in live and let live, people need their space too. So you, you can't really have that close to an area where you're going to be walking. And some of those critters are going to be pretty aggressive. They can be very aggressive, and they only get more so as yeah. the season progresses that's because that's their natural life cycle to do that. To, they have more competition, more food, and, and more, more babies to protect. So, so they, right. they have to, yeah. Let's take a quick break here. Yeah. We have more show to come. A couple of master gardeners in studio. If you have a lawn and garden question, 651-989-9226. And we'll get back to the phones when we come back. And the text screen, too, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn and garden questions. We have a couple of, uh, in fact, Teresa, just folks joining us right now, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit late. Yep. You brought a, a, a colleague with you. I yes. did. I brought my intern, Rachel, in, mm-hmm. who's just observing today. And then I brought Larry Sapola, who's also a well-established master gardener. Larry just wrote a book on hydroponic gardening the easy way. So if you're looking for that, that's a great book to find. Thank you. And Larry knows all about um, the um, something that I want to share with our group. Sure. 
Sure. There's, uh, for those of you who really want to get face-to-face with Master Gardeners, we have our Learning Garden Tour. It's our 11th year. It's going to be on July 14th, which is a Saturday. And uh, there, there are uh, a lot of great gardens, all different sizes, um, but we have demonstrations um, at each site. And um, Master Gardeners are on site to answer uh, whatever question you might have. Uh, if you're interested, you can get you can either call at six one two five nine six two one three zero, or just go right online um, for the um, at our website at uh, hennepinmastergardeners.org. The tickets are uh, uh, only fifteen dollars uh, ahead of the uh, tour again, which is uh, July fourteenth. Uh, but if uh, you decide to wait to the last day. It's, uh, the tickets will be $20, and that includes a brochure, full-color brochure, and uh, your entry to all of the gardens. So I uh, hope to see you there. Oh, that's good. And the Come three, and join us. Yeah. I'll be demonstrating at one of them. Oh, it's good? Yes. Good yes. deal. Well, thanks mm-hmm. for bringing that up. Yeah. All right. Let's help some folks out here by all phone right. and by text. Ray has been waiting there in Coon Rapids to ask you a question. Go ahead, Ray. Hey, Ray. Thanks for waiting. Oh, no problem. You know, I, I actually... I listen to your show even if I don't have a question. That's but, good because uh, it's amazing I, what I you, you can Denny. learn. I love you, Denny. I love listening to you on Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, thanks, Denny's Ray. amazing, oh, isn't oh, he? You're, you're too kind. <laughs> and, uh, because Check. of the hours I work, I wake up early and uh, turn on the CCO. So anyway, here I got a question right. for you today. And Oh, thank you, by the way. Well, is his name Larry for answering a tomato question? Yeah. I, you're welcome. Thank you. It's always be found at... I never figured out this, which one's a snip off and which one's not to, but he answered that. But anyway, I've got rock bed around the house, and I have shrubs in the rock bed, not everywhere, but in Mm -hmm. particular areas. And uh, I used a chemical before to try to kill weeds, Mm -hmm. and uh, the shrubs seemed to pay the price for that chemical that Mm -hmm. I was using. Mm -hmm. So what, I'm thinking, like, this fall, there, is there uh, right. something I could put down? That well, would, uh, you, you can do a few different things. Um, what you want to do in the fall, because fall is a really good time for, for killing your weeds, so at the end of August into September, and I would go on the extension site to maybe double-check what kind of weeds you've got. But you want to be careful about spraying what you're spraying or what you're – and I would probably use a spray on that because then you can really spot treat the weeds. Um, now, any weed or most of the weeds that you're probably going to kill, are, you're going to use a broadleaf weed killer, which if you spray it on your shrubs will possibly kill them too because they're broadleaf also. So you have to make sure you're only hitting the weeds. If you've only got grass weeds in there, you can use a grass killer, and that won't impact your shrubs. Um, and then in the spring, what you might want to do is put down um, something like the preen or something like that, which is uh, it stops plants from putting out seed, uh, it stops the weed seeds from putting out roots because there's a lot of weed seeds in your rock beds. So, so that'll help you get some of those weeds out. But some of the weeds that are already established, you want to take those out. So pull them now, um, kill them now, um, and then again in the fall, do a really good thing. Try do a really good um, sweep of the area. Make sure that you're not hitting your your shrubs with your weed killer. And also don't let those weeds go to seed because it's amazing how prolific those weeds seed out. Mm-hmm. All right. Good luck. Very good. Thanks, Ray. Uh, texter wants to know when's a good time to aerate the lawn. 
That'd be the end of August into September. Yeah. Yep, and I would definitely go to the Extension website. Uh, we have a great lawn care calendar on there by Sam and his group, and that will really give you an idea about when to do different things in the lawn. It's way too hot anything right oh, now yeah. on your lawn. Sure. It's too hot. It's too hot for you. It's way too hot for the lawn. Just don't be doing it. Maybe watering is about all you want to do. I want to get back to the phones, but a texture wants to know, can hops plants grow through the foundation of the house I heard they're super strong, and someone said they could. Well, this this is a, a it's sort of a myth, kind of, sort of, not really. Um, we when plants grow roots, the roots come up to your foundation, and they say, "Oh, it's concrete or cement, whatever it is." That's something I don't grow through. So then they'll go sideways. Now, if your foundation is compromised, if there's a hole in it, if there's water in it. The roots will find a way in, and as the root gets bigger, the hole gets bigger, and you do get damaged. So those are the situations, and that will grow for tree roots and shrub roots and hop roots. So if your foundation is really old and rickety, I probably wouldn't plant anything close to it. Um, If it's brand new and you don't think there's any damage, you should be fine. But just keep an eye open for, for damage. All right. You know what we have to do? We have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Call us or text us here on this Saturday morning at Smart Garden on 830-WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show. A couple of master gardeners in studio with us. Teresa Rooney, of course, who joins us from time to time. And uh, Teresa has brought in, uh, besides uh, Rachel, her intern, Mm -hmm. uh, Larry Sapola, another master gardener and author. Yes. We'll talk more about that, too, as we head through this half hour. As I mentioned... A lot of texts, a lot of phone callers, and let's get, before we get too far adrift, let's uh, give the university's website again. Right, because we can't get to everybody. Um, Extension.umn.edu. So click on the garden tab and get your questions answered. Master Gardeners can also be found, of course, at our garden tour, but a lot of Master Gardeners will be found at farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. So if you have a farmer's market, head to your farmer's market, and there might be Master Gardener there. You can pick their brain. Very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Judy is calling from St. Louis Park with a question. Go ahead, Judy. Thank Hi. you. Hi, Judy. Hi. I have five Christmas cactuses in my windowsill, mm-hmm. and they get full sun every day whenever the sun shines. Mm-hmm. Do they need shade, or is it okay? The mm-hmm. other question is I have two bell pepper plants, and I only have two peppers, and I think I'm in an apartment now. They're not outside, and... I don't have any bees or anything to pollinate. Will I ever get any more peppers? (laughs) Good questions. Okay, first of all, for your Christmas cactus, if they've been in the sun all this time and they've gotten used to it, probably you leave them there like all year long, they get used to the increased sun, they'll be fine. If you do find that the leaves start to maybe look sunburned, brown, then you can put a little shade over them or pull them back a little bit. Otherwise, they should be fine. Bell peppers, you're going to have to play B. So when the pepper starts blooming, you're going to either have to take one of the blossoms and touch all the other blossoms or take a Q-tip and go from one blossom to another and play B. You don't have to do any buzzing noises if you don't want to, um, but you can if that makes you happier. Otherwise, you will have to be the pollinators unless you might have some little flies or little um, something in your house that's flying around. But rather than rely on them, I would definitely do that. Oh, very good. Let's see who is next. Uh, Catherine is calling from, uh, B- believe, Blaine. Uh, Catherine, uh, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Catherine. Good morning, Teresa. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. Teresa, I went and uh, replaced a 
well, it was like a some kind of a tree out on my out in front. Mm-hmm. I put in a baby blue spruce. Mm-hmm. Now, what what is a special kind of care thing that I can do so I can make sure that that little guy mm-hmm. does make it? Yep. What I would do a few different things. First of all, make sure it stays well watered, especially when we go into the fall. So you want to keep watering, I mean, not like 24-7, but you want to make sure that the soil stays fairly moist until the ground's nearly frozen. Um, It's going to, it's going to lose moisture all winter long. um, So you want to get those roots as plump as possible. Another thing you want to do is protect it from um, bunny and deer eating it all winter long. So put up chicken wire or hardware cloth um, so that the animals can't get to it. Um, understand that blue spruce in our climate is not the happiest. They do not like it hot and humid. They don't mind hot and dry, but they don't like hot and humid. And that's what we get in Minnesota. So its lifespan may only be 20 years. Enjoy it while you've got it. Um, and then if you want to replace it with something else, uh, Black Hill spruce is a little hardier for us. They can handle more of the humidity. Uh, they just don't like it as hot and humid as we get here in Minnesota. But that's what you should do. Um, just, Just, you know. Keep watering it as it's needed and protect it from predation and being eaten in the wintertime. Good luck. Another uh, tomato plant text said uh, that I put in the garden have not yet had yellow flowers. Will they still bloom even after a month? Oh, sure. They're just they're just taking their time. And right now that heat is really setting things back. So don't be surprised if your plants just sit there and pout. Because right now, all they're doing is trying to make it through. They're not They're not going to be growing. They're not going to be fruiting. They're not going to be flowering. They're just going to be existing. Um, think of how you would feel outside all day long in the hot sun. They are just making it through. So do whatever you can to help them. Make sure they stay well watered. Um, and just don't be fertilizing. Don't do anything like fertilizing right now. That would really stress the plant. Okay. Yes, no fertilizing. Let's go back to the phones. John is calling from Bloomington with a question. Good morning, John. Hey, John. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm worried about uh, Japanese beetles. I just have seemed like on my tomato plants only. Uh, <clears throat> they're not on the rest of the garden. And uh, what do I do with them? I, uh, when I'm in the garden, I pinch them off and... Uh, get rid of them that way, but uh, yep. so, how about when I'm not in the garden? Well, well, what you can do is the the best thing to do is to get out there early to see their populations when they're, when they're little, when the populations are tiny, and to pick them off early in the morning and toss them into some soapy water or, or get rid of them early in the morning. The more you can hit that population and knock that population down, the less there'll be more coming in. As the, as the Japanese beetles start to munch on the plants... The plants emit a fragrance, which attracts other Japanese beetles. So you want to try to minimize the damage that they do. So hit the populations early. Um, Don't buy traps. Traps have pheromones in them that are saying there's a female ready to mate right here, right now. And that attracts every Japanese beetle within miles. So a trap will bring Japanese beetles to you. Um, the, you can also cover your plants with like a floating row cover. That will not let the pollinators in though either to, to pollinate the plants. So hand picking is the best thing to do. Do that early in the morning when it's cool. 
I don't know if it's cool at 80 degrees, but because um, <laughs> the, the Japanese beetles are cold-blooded, so they won't be moving so fast. If you tried to do it right now, they would laugh at you as they fly away, and it's really hard on your ego to be laughed at by bugs oh, as they fly it's... away. <laughs> All right. I don't want to forget our textures either. Okay. Uh, good morning, it says. Uh, I'm gardening a new spot this year, only hand-tilled the rows. The soil appears to have a lot of organic matter, but was fairly tough to till and perhaps compacted. My garden is growing beautifully, but I noticed last night the new growth tips of my tomatoes and a few bean plants are curly and slightly crispy, despite the soil being moist. What could cause this? What can I do to prevent it? You know, it... It could be a wind damage. It, it actually could. Um, it, so I wouldn't worry too much because we're in such hot, hot weather. They could be just be desiccated by the wind. There is uh, tomatoes do sometimes get a tomato curl, and the leaves just never uncurl for the rest of the season. The plant is okay. It's just a weird physiological thing that they get. Anything else you could suggest, Larry? But, uh, sometimes curling is also for overwatering if you're... Um if your soil, even though it's organic, if it's very moist, and we've had, uh, depending on where you live, a lot of rain, yeah. uh, that could affect it uh, as well. Um, so you don't but, want to over underwater. True. Which is hard. Which is yeah, hard to it know can sometimes. Be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, back to the phone. Sandra is calling from Fridley, Minnesota. Go ahead, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Um, I have a. I just repotted some. Um, succulent cactus Mm -hmm. and i was wondering about how often i should water those when you first repot them i would keep them a little moister than you normally would um but but once they start getting established go back to your normal routine you just want those the new roots to just have it a little bit easier but you don't want to overwater them so a a this is so unscientific what i'm saying um you just want it a little more moist um, but not super moist. I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Sandra. Good luck. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to balance your, the text with the phone calls. There's so many of each. What is causing black spots on my black-eyed Susan leaves? <laughs> Those are our friends, the four-line plant bugs. Um, they're When they're younger, they're little and red, and they move pretty fast. And then when they get older, they're an oblong-shaped plant uh, insect that has four lines of yellow and black alternating um, the length of their bodies. They do. They have sucking mouth parts, scraping, I'm sorry, scraping mouth parts. They scrape off little circles, and they love things like, the, the plants, the mints and, and the chrysanthemums and the, and the rudbeckias and the Russian sages, they love those. The plants are already outgrowing it. I've noticed that on one of my coreopsis. It's already outgrowing it. Uh, there's new growth above. It's nothing really to worry about. What you want to remember is what plants did they hit because they have laid eggs in those stems of the plants. So next year you'll have more infestation in that plant. So what you want to do is... Late, late winter or early spring, cut that plant down to the to the soil if you've left it up for winter interest, and then send it to the city compost. Um, don't put it in your own compost and get rid of those eggs. You'll knock your populations back. Okay. Bring in the birds because the birds like to eat those little guys too. All right. Back to the phones we go. Mary, I believe, is calling from Brooklyn Center with a question. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Um. I have a cone conifer dwarf, mm-hmm. and the thing has turned completely brown, and I'm just wondering if I should cut it down or be patient and see if it'll come back. Oh, that's a tough one. I've seen so much conifer damage this year. Um, what I would probably do is 
make sure that it's not being overed or underwatered. Then go out with your pruners and start at the tip of one branch and keep cutting until you come to green wood. If it's dead, dead, dead all the way, um, and then you try another branch and it's all dead, or if your branches seem really brittle, it's time to do one pruning, chop it off, and replant. Um, There was an awful lot of damage this winter on the evergreens. Uh, I've never seen that much damage for many, many years on evergreens. Mm. Yeah. Good luck. You know, we need to do another quick break. Okay. But again, we have callers, we have textures. We're going to help out here when we come back, as usual. 80 is our Twin City temperature reading. I want to mention, too, that our friends at By the Yard down in Jordan, Minnesota, sponsor this show every week. Make that great patio furniture that you never have to store. I love that. (laughs) And and the heat doesn't bother it either. Heat doesn't bother it at all. Well, Teresa and Larry Sapol is with us, a couple of master gardeners uh, helping us out, and Rachel, too. Rachel's getting an earful, I think, after this <laughs> this hour here. But we again, we have so many callers and, and textures. We appreciate that, your mm-hmm. patience. Uh, let's see who we can help out this time. Um, Wayne is calling from Forest Lake with a question. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Wayne. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is, I had a tree that I had to take down because of the storm last uh, July 11th, I think it was, in Forest mm-hmm. Lake. Mm-hmm. I was going to replace it with a, what's a tree I love for the color is a... A dark, I think, ruby red crimson maple tree, okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at them. I want to replace it here in the early fall. And the lady at a local nursery said, are you on clay soil? And I said, yes. And she said, I won't sell it to you. Wow. She said, that because the roots won't penetrate that clay soil. I want to know, is that true? Or can I force it somehow? Or Well, well, you know, any... any um Heavier clay soil is going to make it harder for plants mm-hmm. uh, to grow. Uh, what kind of tree was there before? The locust. Uh-huh, a locust. Okay. You know, I would I would guess that the maple would be fine. However, it's going to have very much surface roots. Uh-huh. So its roots are going to be on top of the surface, which means you're, you're going to lose a lot of your turf area, just so you know that. Um, and it does have a heavier shade than the locust does, uh-huh. so you're going to lose a lot of that. Um, I would suggest going to the extension website and looking um, in the garden tab and looking for trees that do well in clay soil. And and there may be something that could give you a similar color that might do better in a clay soil. Also, your clay soils can get really heavily over water waterlogged, and some trees don't like to sit in that moist soil for too long. Um, so, so you need to plant it a little bit higher. There are ways you can you can sort of get around it, but if the if the plant just is not going to grow, and and I'm not that familiar with this this variety of maple, so I don't know if there's certain restrictions or problems with this variety of maple. I would I would definitely look at the extension website and and go through that and see what they would recommend for a clay soil and see if there's something in that group that would make you happy, and and not to besmirch maples, but we've really overplanted maples, and we used to overplant elm trees and and things like that and ash trees, and we find out that that's not always a good thing. So if we can get some diversity in our in our neighborhoods would be better too. So look around if you have only maples in your neighborhood, maybe consider something else. But I would ex- definitely go to the extension website and and check that out. Especially if we don't get to the callers or textures, and then you might Definitely. you might find the answer there. You might you will find the answer All there. Ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to find deal. the answer there. Yeah. Uh, Barbara is calling from Minneapolis. Barbara, what is your question, please? Hi, Barbara. I'm, I'm very concerned about preen. I've used it a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I was told it just kills 
seeds. It won't hurt your plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday I went into the store to buy another container of it, and a, a clerk in the store and a customer said, I wouldn't need any of your tomatoes if you're using it around your tomato plants. I called the company, and they told me, it's okay if I put it in the ground before I plant my plant, but not to put it in after the plant. And she hung up before I got it. Why? It's still going to be in the ground around the plant. Hmm. That's very interesting. I would, you know, um, with with any chemical, there's always repercussions. And so in this case, I would read the entire label and see what it says. Can you use it around tomato plants? When can you use it? I don't know all of the chemical makeups of all of the chemicals that are out there. So the label is the law. And if the law says, if the label says you can use it around your food, then it's up to you if you want to use it. Understand, anything you put in the soil is going to be in your plants. The thing with your lots of your plants is as they as they grow, the plant filters out a lot of stuff. So by the time, if you're eating the leaves of the plants, you're going to get more of the product from the soil. And then if you're eating the fruit of the plant, the plant has had more chance to filter out things. So that could be a reason why maybe it's not a concern to you. But I would read the label and see what the label says about applying it around edibles. Because I've I've never used preen. Honestly, I've never used preen, but I would read the label first. The label is the law, and you need to follow that label. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of tomato questions today. It's, it's tomato it's time. It's the season. It's the season, yeah. Minnesota's and tomatoes. Well, here's another one. A texture says, we have an endless problem of tomato fungus. We rotate location yearly, have put black plastic, newspaper, straw under the plants, but always get a fungus. What can we do to correct this problem? Hmm, I'm not quite sure what fungus they're yeah. getting. Um, make sure that your tomatoes have really good air circulation so you're not planting them really tight together. They need like four square feet. Each little tomato plant does. And that's really hard when you're planting those little tiny seedlings to realize that needs that huge space. But it does. It really would probably like more than that. There's got to be good air circulation. You've got to get your tomatoes up and off of the ground. Um, you've got to make sure when you're watering, you're watering the soil, not the tomato plants. They water the soil. Larry, can you think of anything else? Yeah, well, you're yeah. always my tomato go-to guy. So. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, it depends on what, kind of, what you mean by fungus, but there are soil-borne diseases, and if you're doing botanical rotation, which it sounds like you're doing, that can help. But there's also diseases that come in uh, through the wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so while you may be rotating, uh, you, um, you're you still picking up uh, funguses. Uh, mulching, I think, would help. Uh, but um, what's your variety? Um, I raise mostly heirloom tomatoes, and they are very susceptible to all kinds of uh, soil and airborne diseases. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, raising hybrid, um, and that's not a dirty word, by the way, uh, the hybrid tomatoes and hybrid anything is... is um, they have uh, their they, place. Yeah, yeah, they've been developed to, to eliminate certain diseases, mm-hmm. for example. So I, I would check out the variety that uh, that you may be growing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And, and if it's something like a verticillium wilt or something that's in your soil, that's in your soil probably throughout your whole yard. Yeah. So you need to get tomatoes, a hybrid that would have a V at, at it after that. So, yeah, yeah, good point. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, and what kind of, comp, what kind of you know, if you're, if you're putting down leaves that were full of funguses, then, then that's going to only reinfect. So you want to make sure you're using like fresh straw or something like that or a good compost as your, as your mulch. 
We have about 60, 60 seconds, seconds to, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, to go. But, you know, I, I don't want to, for those folks tuned in uh, a little bit later, mm-hmm. Larry, talk, talk quickly, if you would, about your book and where it's available. Well, thank you. Uh, well, the book is called uh, Hydroponic Gardening, The Very Easy Way. It's, it is available on Amazon. Uh, locally, it's available um, through the Arboretum, University of Arbore- uh, Arboretum, and then uh, Northern Gardener. Um, but just in case you uh, do want to buy it, hopefully, uh, the last name is spelled C-I-P-O-L-L-A. Um, uh, uh, and you'll see that on Amazon. But it's designed really for the homeowner. There are six different kinds of hydroponic systems, and uh, this deals with uh, one specifically made for homeowners, oh, such right. as yourself. A lot of interest in that. Thanks, Larry. You're Good welcome. to see thank Rachel you. and Teresa. Thank you for thank uh, you. your help, and we'll see you, I'm sure, in studio down the road. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.